This is the Wes and Walker Show. This is Wes. I mean, seriously, I this happened 20 seconds ago, and then Wes just decides in the distance to give us this kind of show cry to start off. It's Wes. Oh, let's go, baby. Let's get it going. Come on. And Walker. Out of nowhere. I mean, I look like a pansy, to be honest with you. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Fitty said, that scared me. I said that scared the he bleep says, out of yeah. me. I he look- said the same thing. today welcome to the west and walker show we're going to try to help the queen city recover for a sports city right now that is in ruins with everything that is going on but welcome back to the west and walker show sports radio 92.7 wfnz keep the text coming on the charlotte men's health text line 704-570-9016 you guys have been keeping them coming fast and furious today and I'm not talking about Vin Diesel and Jason Momoa. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. But well, without, how, many, how many has he been in? Momoa's been in him? Just one. Okay. I didn't know. It's just the last one. I don't know much about yeah, that. He's and the furious. same guy in every movie. Okay. So it doesn't matter, you know, what the role is. Right, Aquaman, too. Fast and Furious, same guy. But without further ado, lots of college football to talk about. So let's go to the campus. Kona. All right. Starting things off. ACC football, man. Listen, had a chance to have a top 10 matchup. The first one that I can remember in the ACC football championship game. You had it all laid out. But then Jordan Travis goes down a week ago. And then the Louisville Cardinals drop the bag to rival Kentucky. I know that SEC fans were just overjoyed with this. The fact that one of their mediocre teams in the league was able to take out the second best team in the ACC in Louisville. And that wasn't it. Okay, you talk about Carolina once again. They faltered to NC State, even though NC State is hot as fish grease right now. So they are uh, playing very, very well. But just the fact of Florida State also coming out and getting out of Gainesville by the hairs on their chinny, chin, chin, it just didn't look good. And for their college football playoff chances, we're going to see what that game Saturday does to that because you only beat Florida by nine. The offense did not look great. Tate Rotomaker, 134 yards passing. Rotomaker, Rotomaker, Studebaker, whatever way you want to call it. Florida State did not look fantastic, and I think that their college football playoff chances are – they're definitely in question right now. So do you think that this was one of the worst weekends for ACC football ever? Well, I, I guess I don't have enough research done to compare it with other years and other weekends that have happened in other years. But I'll tell you, it it could have been worse with Florida State losing outright to Florida, but couldn't have gone much worse. That was the only way. Now, Florida State, having not shown a ton against a Florida team, by the way, that is five and seven officially at the end of the season. So even with you not looking all that great, it's not like that performance came against a team that was playing so well that they're going to be going to a bowl game. So you beat Florida. You only beat them 24 to 15 and you score 10 points in the fourth quarter to do it. Louisville going down the way that they did. That was really disappointing because now even with that win over Louisville that Florida State could boast, 
that's not going to have as much meaning with them having lost a game that they did to Kentucky in rivalry weekend. So it's not great. The only thing is, you know, North Carolina and NC State, if you wanted to point to that game as, I don't know, I don't know what kind of leveler that was, right? I think most people, if you were to say what would be the best for the conference and who wins to just bring more prowess, you're always going to focus on the quarterback. And so Drake May would be that guy. Correct. But NC State, their defense has been so good. Dave Doran continues to show you. And they finally gotten some offense. Yeah, Brennan right. Armstrong comes in and does so. Yeah, well, Carolina's defense was so bad. Casey Concepcion. Now, this wasn't his coming out party, Wes. Like, people know about him. But, my God, was he phenomenal in that game. Big time. God, he was so good. It didn't matter where you lined him up. He was fantastic. And Brennan Armstrong delivered some big-time throws. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was a bad weekend for the ACC. The only one, maybe not the only one, but NC State, I'd say they, they thought it was a pretty good weekend, though. I they definitely did. And I also got to give shout-outs to Georgia Tech, man. Georgia Tech gave Georgia all they could handle. Uh, they only lose by eight points. So we'll take a moral victory there. Georgia Tech was certainly feisty. And they definitely battled with the Bulldogs in a rivalry game as well. And so, uh, Joshua, I'll ask you to grab the microphone, but it's not time to speak yet, as uh, this topic will certainly be of interest to you. But as we just talked about, NC State took out the North Carolina Tar Heels in a game that wasn't close from the beginning. But for the second consecutive season, Drake May down the stretch has been uh, underwhelming, to say the least. When you look at three touchdowns, three interceptions, 44% completions against the Clemson Tigers, 57.9 against North Carolina State. And this was a game that Carolina's offense, uh, as great as they've been all season, as prolific as they've been all season, wasn't really a factor. They had a couple of times where you felt like maybe they could make this a game. And don't let me leave out the fact he had 106 yards rushing and a touchdown on the ground. But it felt like empty calories the way this game went because State jumped out to such an early lead and they kept applying the pressure. But what do we feel like right now But with Drake May for the second consecutive year coming off of a Clemson game where he had his lowest completion percentage, lowest quarterback rating of his career, and then following it up with what I deem another dud against NC State? Yeah, he wasn't good. I, I thought that first quarter was as bad a Carolina product as I've seen, even with some of the worst teams. Like, Fiddy, we'll go to you. I I know, like, I hate it because I I wanted to talk some Thanksgiving (laughs) trip with you. I wanted to talk first playing experience. I wanted to talk other things. I hate for the first real mic time you're going to get to be discussing a 39-20 beatdown of the heels. But I also have to go to somebody that lives this, and I can't point to a worse quarter of Carolina football than what I saw in the first against NC State. Is that a fair assessment from you? Like, have you ever seen that bad of a quarter from Carolina football before? Yeah, the last two years of the Larry Fedora era were, were, were pretty bad. Um, yeah, Saturday was rough. And when I look at my quarterback, a guy that I have a, a lot of uh, love and respect for, he's the best quarterback I've ever seen wear the baby blue. Um, he looked scared on Saturday night. He looked rattled. Um, And I haven't said that very often about Drake. I didn't think he looked as rattled the week before at Clemson in a tougher environment against a better defense. He got let down by a bad offensive line and and, and untimely drops by the wide receivers. I I thought Peyton Wilson got in his head and he was he was never able to recover. And as disappointing as it was seeing the offensive line struggle and they couldn't run the ball. Seeing him struggle the way that he did was was pretty bad because we saw at other times in his career him overcome those things. 
and lead Carolina. This guy's going to finish his career 0-2 against his biggest rival. Yeah, it's it's an awful way to go out. I, I'll say this. I think he figured some stuff out, but, like, you're more... So the West game was is, over. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was... Like, I, I know Josh Graham put it out there. The only reason you are not saying the game is completely over that I think objective observers would say, okay, there is a shot. It's because Drake made has been so special throughout his college career, but that ended quickly once we got to the fourth quarter of sure. And, and even into the second half, I thought this was an awful Tez Walker game. I thought the interception that was thrown on the slant route, I thought Tez absolutely quit on that throw. I thought he got ate up by what was a great NC State defense. All the credit in the world to what those guys are doing. Tony Gibson, Peyton Wilson, uh, everybody over there. But I just thought there were so many guys that didn't step up. Drake was awful in the first, wasn't great in the second. Even in the second quarter, they had like four offensive plays where they were able to score a touchdown. That was a crazy drive where you're throwing downfield and it happened so quickly. Even then, the defense can't stop anybody. Like Concepcion was special in this one, and Brendan Armstrong played better overall than what Drake May did. You just had so many. Whoever your opposition was, Wes, at the same position, they played better than you. Every single op, every single player across from you. And Carolina's not going to be able to overcome that. Yeah, this was the first time that the Tar Heels were held to under 100 yards of total offense in the first quarter this season. Also, they scored a total of 14 points in the first half of the last two games, marking the lowest total for first-half points in a two-game stretch since they scored six against Virginia Tech and Miami in 2017. And you talked about... Uh, Pate Wilson, a guy that's certainly going to be in the hunt for the Buckets Award. And in my opinion, he has a very strong case at his 23rd double-digit tackle game. He had 15 for the game, also had an interception and a fumble recovery. And so now the big news of this week is going to be when we take a look at the college football playoff poll. Lots of games to be played as it is championship week, one of my favorite weeks of the year. But Florida State in the last poll was fifth. And so when we saw the action this weekend, Washington getting a big win over Oregon State, we know that Ohio State will more than likely be knocked out of at least the top four, opening up a spot for Florida State. But will Oregon or Texas surpass the Seminoles? And the more important question, just coming from your own personal eyes watching this team, is this a team that you want to see and feel like deserves to be in the college football playoff? You mean Florida State? Florida State, yes. You're asking me if I want to see them. When Jordan Travis was QB, <laughs> I wanted to see an ACC representative in the top four and thought Florida State had earned that. If they still choose to go with Florida State, okay. But I can't tell you that Florida State without Jordan Travis is a top four team. I'm going to be more scared of, what, a handful more of teams. I just, Washington, even with them slipping against Washington State, and to be fair, Michael Penix did not look good down the stretch. He did not. He, he got by on a couple of throws, but they found a way, and if you just go by the resume and you go by strength of schedule, I, I know that they didn't look great in some of these games, but, man, they're undefeated. What do you want me to do with a strength of schedule as tough as what they battled this year and a goose egg in the loss column, right? As long as they continue to do this before you actually hit the playoff, Washington's got to be in. And if that's the case, Wes, then I, I don't think it's a I don't think it's a comparison between Washington and Florida State right now, especially now that Louisville lost. And so even with some teams behind them, Oregon looked great this weekend. Oregon looked very good against Oregon State. You're talking about Alabama, Texas. Like there's a few teams that I'd be more scared of than Florida State at this point. Well, to me, I think if Florida State is able to finish this thing off against Louisville, 
I think an undefeated Power Five conference champion, it's going to be very hard for them to leave them out. But personally, do I think that they should leave them out, especially if you get an Oregon victory in the Pac-12 championship and an Alabama victory? I know I said last week I didn't want to see Georgia and Alabama both in the playoffs again. But I think in that scenario, if you get an Oregon victory and an Alabama victory, I personally don't want to see Florida State in this game. I think Tate Rodemaker is just he's a pedestrian quarterback we saw against Florida and I've seen him before this as well he's he had to come in and relieve uh Jordan Travis against Louisville last season so I've seen him a few times I haven't seen the type of talent there to make me think that they won't get absolutely Hulk smashed if they get into the college football playoffs especially you know they'd get that fourth seed and more than likely have to face the Georgia Bulldogs that would not even be a watchable game I would be uh watching something else uh, hmm. by the end of the first quarter of that football game. Fiddy, what say you? What do you think about uh, this topic? Do you think the Noles will get in the college football playoffs if they win, and then do you want to see them? No, because I want to see the four best teams compete for a national championship, and I don't think they're better than Georgia. I don't think they're better than Michigan, Oregon, Washington. I don't think they're better than Texas. So, no, it's a fun year, and it's great that Florida State – nationally back in the picture, but they're not a playoff team. Yeah, and my bad. Oregon State lost to Oregon, of course, in the Civil War, so I had that one uh, incorrect. But Washington, uh, they still got a big win, and that Pac-12 championship game is going to be fantastic nonetheless. But, man, that was a great weekend of college football. We're going to see when the college football playoff rankings are released, how they're going to see this thing, and then championship weekend is going to finish it all off and what should be another great weekend of college football. And when we return on the Wesson Walker Show on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We're going to talk about what does all the change at Bank of America mean for number nine, a.k.a. QB1 Bryce Young, when we return on the Wesson Walker Show. Welcome back to Wes and Walker. You're listening to Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. If you don't know, I'm, I'm sure you do now. Frank Reich, no longer the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. David Tepper deciding to fire Frank Reich after just 11 games into his first season. It is the fourth shortest stint of a coach fired before his first season in NFL history. It is the second shortest, if you only include guys that actually recorded a regular season game in their first season, being the coach of the franchise that hired them. 704-570-9610. That is the text line, the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, 704-570-9610. It is going absolutely bonkers on the text line. And so here are a couple of texts that we have not gotten to. I'm trying to read as many as I can. I apologize if I did not get to yours, but we got a lot rolling in. Panther Bo, he asked me this, or he just asked this question to the public. Imagine sitting next to first in flight Fitty. My guy had to be in full panic mode. Yeah, we haven't gotten to any Fitty's first flight stories. We got a lot to get to with Frank Reich's firing, but maybe at the end of the show, we can discuss that, Fitty. Are you willing to share with the people your true and candid experience? Oh, yeah. I mean, look, I've, I've talked about sleeping with a stuffed animal. I've talked about having... Uh, a separate soap to wash my male parts. I'm comfortable talking about the freak out a 27-year-old man had on an, on an American Airlines flight. I'm comfortable. God bless you. 
Stay tuned. Wesson Walker at the end, 245 probably. We'll start to dig a little more into that. 704 text in, we are not getting a top-tier coach to come here. 864, kind of a bad look for Tepper to give another white coach below Averro the interim title instead of him. Yeah, we went through that. It probably is the right choice to go with Chris Tabor instead of Averro, not give Averro the job not give Thomas Brown the job if Brown were to be the interim coach, even Jim Caldwell, by the way. So it probably makes sense for Chris Tabor to be the guy. You move on from Tabor, and then we'll see who that hire could be. I do want to go back to the one text that I read. We are not getting a top-tier coach to come here. Yeah, I, I see Ben Johnson is the leader in the clubhouse, at least with the odds, to be the next head coach of the Panthers. He's at plus 500. This tweet coming out from Jamie Eisner who will be the Panthers next head coach. Ben Johnson has the best odds at plus 500 Jim Caldwell at plus 600 Jim Harbaugh at plus 700 Averro, Same thing. Plus 700. We'll go top five. Eric B plus 900. A lot of interesting names there. A lot of names. Ben Johnson, more so the blueprint type of hire that you've seen in years past. You go after a top notch coordinator, it's just the right trajectory. That guy lands a head coaching job. Jim Caldwell's done this before. He's with the organization now. He's going to be the special offensive assistant, the Dwight Eisenhower, not Eisenhower, that's a president, goodness gracious, the Dwight Schrute to Thomas Brown, the assistant to the regional manager. That's what Caldwell is with the Panthers. Jim Harbaugh, monster name. Averro, you would also have just promoted within the organization. And then Eric Bieniemy also a big old name. Yes, it would be the type of blueprint of this guy being promoted, but he's been in the news quite a bit beforehand with him not receiving a job despite having success with Kansas City. Any of those names you want to talk about first and foremost because you're most interested in them, Wes? Or you might have something interesting on them regardless of whether you think they should get the job. Any of those names stand out to you? Well, Ben Johnson, of course, because of what's been going on in Detroit. And then you look at this team, when you look at total offense in the NFL, they're second and only behind by 25 yards uh, to the Miami Dolphins. And even when you look at their 2022 rankings, they're 25 yards better than what they were last season. And so uh, this line, they're really, really good up front, but they've got, some really good dynamic running backs, great combination of guys when you talk about Johnson and Gibbs. And uh, their receiving core isn't full of killers like that, but they've got guys with St. Brown being the the linchpin of that crew, and then the rest of the guys just good supporting uh, wide receivers. But Laporte at tight end looks to be a hit for them as well. And so that's the thing, though. When you talk about a guy like a Ben Johnson, how is he going to be coming in with this offense? And this is where you're really going to see what a guy like that is made of. It's like, yeah, man, you're very much insulated in Detroit, and they've done a great job through the draft. Most of their top guys are draft picks. And so that's the thing. Are you going to come to an organization which, God, you know, we're talking about the Detroit Lions for so many years that didn't draft well, but are you going to come to an organization that's drafted as well as the Lions have over the last three, four seasons? That remains to be seen. So that's the only worry you would have with Ben Johnson, but I think that would be the guy that has the most sterling resume coming in, up and coming, offensive head coach, which we just said earlier that we don't think that it matters either way which way you go. But as far as just the resume of these guys and who's the hottest guy, you talk about Slowick with the Texans 
as well with what they've been able to do. With oh, that's a hilarious name, though. That's a hilarious name. Think Slowick, about po- poaching yeah. Slowick from the Texans to have him be the head coach after what he did with C.J. Stroud. That's very Tepper-esque. Yeah. That would be such a Tepper move. <laughs> oh, I like, give me that. Give me that offensive coordinator. Yeah, and then you're talking about the Ravens defensive coordinator and how they've been. Harbaugh's also a guy that you hear talked about a lot. Eric Bieniemy. I mean, it, they're great names on this list. If I had to pick one, I'd probably go Ben Johnson, but I'm not a front man. Eric Bieniemy. I think he certainly earned his chance, even though this offensive line, we talk about how Sam Howell, how many times he's been sacked, but he's got Sam Howell playing pretty decent football uh, for the most part. This is a guy that yeah, a lot of people talk about how tough he is, but the Kansas City offense hasn't been quite the same without him as the OC, and I think that he's paid his dues as well. So there's some great names, but if I had to pick one, I'd have to go with Ben Johnson. He's got the best resume, in my opinion. You and I agree. As far as just coming in with the flashy stuff. Having known about Frank Reich's firing for only hours at this point and not many hours at this point, you and I agree if it were up to us and we had our pick from everybody, Ben Johnson would be the next head coach of the Carolina Panthers. If you look at what he did with the Detroit Lions the last couple of seasons, including what they're doing right now, just going through a a few of their rankings, they were fifth in points scored last year. They're seventh right now. When it comes to total yardage, they were fourth last year. They're second right now. And by the way, it's a really nice split between passing offense and rushing offense. It's not, oh, they just have Drew Brees and they're going to rank top five every year and the rushing yards might be a little bit down. That, that might be a bad example, but you get the idea. They they have, they were 11th in total rushing offense last year. They're sixth right now in Detroit. And in passing offense, they were eighth in total yards last year. They're third with Jared Goff as their QB with a great offensive line. Like that's one thing you could have as a knock against him is that he's got a lot of talent to work with. Amon Ross St. Brown, Sam Laporta, good first-round tight end. The offensive line, maybe outside of the Eagles, is the best, but it's a great offensive line. But no, I, and you're shaking your head just to give people like, like I'm with you though. <laughs> well, no, I'm with you. Like I, yeah. yeah, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing, and it's yeah. not like you have stars. Mm-hmm. You just have really good players, right? And so that's the thing too, because sometimes when you and I talk about this, you'll and a lot of people like to go to that, but I think that. With Detroit, a lot of those guys were draft picks, and I never knock a guy when they play with homegrown talent. And the thing was, too, that they don't have a lot of flashy draft selections. I mean, I mean, Panay Sewell was a top pick for them, uh, and then Jameer Gibbs was a first-rounder. But when you look at St. Brown, you know, he was a third-round pick, if I'm not mistaken. Fourth round. Fourth now, round he, was a high, he was a high prospect, I think, the USC. Like, I think there was some struggles right. there, but he felt. But these you're weren't right. guys that you saw their success coming when they came into the NFL. Laporta, uh, he, he's a really good draft pick as well. But, yes, like you said, Detroit has done an excellent job with drafting some of their key players on their team. And then Jared Goff has just come in and pick it up and – really gotten a job done there. And so that's the thing, though. It's how it's built. And these guys, Detroit is another one of those teams that, like I said, they have players that create mismatches. They put a lot of stress on the defense with the type of players they have. And they have so many different types of guys. And that's the thing about them that you like so much. And one of the topics that I brought up was saying, you know, out of these kind of young or relatively young teams, which one would you want them to be built most like? But Detroit 
has a lot of stuff. They've got a lot of nice toys, okay? They're the kid on the block that their mom always gives them the new game or the new toy or whatever the case may be. They got a lot of nice toys, and that's what you need, man. You got to get those toys in your toy box. Now, I, I would love to have some of those toys. I don't know <laughs> if we're going to get it. We're going to have to get the toy manufacturer. It'll take you a couple of years. You just got to do it right. That would be great. Now, but as we have this convo, we're getting a lot of text in with you know, like a 980 number, Ben Johnson is going to have decent coaching options. Why would he want to coach for a spiraling franchise with a wishy-washy owner? Jay Reds, Ben Johnson ain't coming here. He already turned Tepper down once. Plus, there will be better jobs available. Chargers, Patriots, Bears. Mm, yes. Why would he come here? Like, yeah, whether we agree with all those teams, I get the larger point. And I, I, I understand, maybe even agree with everybody's point. This is the way that David Tepper wins, is that he has more money than almost everybody except for the Denver Broncos. So if Denver, with Sean Payton doing a nice job in the last couple of months, he might have the most punchable face in the NFL. That may be true, but he also can win some football games. That's what he's doing with the Broncos right now. David Tepper will throw some money at you. David Tepper's throwing money at Frank Reich, despite having a four-year contract, to not coach for their team anymore. We saw that with Matt Rule. In order to secure him, because they wanted Matt Rule so badly, they gave him a seven-year contract, the Jay-Z number, and they paid him as much as the top five, top seven coaches in the NFL. He was already making as much as, what, 75, 80% of the coaches in the league. David Tepper has enough money, and if you can put what the process was last year in the offseason, there's no salary cap with coaching. So I can throw all the money in the world. That's how you get in the door with Ben Johnson. He's going to look at the organization. He's going to say, man, David Tepper, he meddles way too much. I don't want to be a part of that. It's why I didn't take the interview last year and decided, you know what? I feel pretty confident in myself that this Lions team is going places. I want to be a part of that and possibly have better options the year after. That's all true. The only way that David Tepper convinces Ben Johnson to take this job or somebody of that ilk it's because he's got all the money in the world, and he might be able to give you more than what these other franchises would be willing to well, give Well, not only that, but I would not underestimate a coach's ego. Uh, this is a job that is Oh, you, you're going with the, oh, this is a harder challenge approach. Certainly, this is a reclamation project, to say the least. And imagine being the guy that turns it around. Because people say all day, you know, a meddlesome owner and people are going to turn it down. At the end of the day, this is an NFL job and an NFL check. And all 32 of these jobs are coveted by coaches around, hell, the world. And people will say that Jerry Jones is one of the most meddlesome owners you could ever want. But let them fire Mike McCarthy today and pretty much every coach worth their salt will be lined up to get that job. It's the Dallas Cowboys at the end of the day. And guys have egos. They want to win championships and they would love to be the next Dallas Cowboys coach to win a Super Bowl regardless of what the circumstances are. Granted, the Carolina Panthers don't have the cachet of the Dallas Cowboys, but still at the end of the day, their coaches that have egos and a guy like Ben Johnson could still look at this job and say, because we don't know if the Chargers want this guy we don't know uh what some of these teams that are more attractive what they want i still feel there's a great chance bill belichick is going to get one of these jobs that are coming up i still feel like his story is not written if new orleans not new orleans if new england moves on from him i still think he could end up getting one of these jobs but when i look at a guy like a, a ben johnson i think that 
certainly the Panthers can get him, and that's why the odds are the way they are. We always talk about how Vegas always seems to know something we don't. I mean, those odds are pretty short compared to everybody else, and I think that uh, they know that, and I think that Ben Johnson is certainly gettable for the Panthers. Here's a name no one's talking about that just kind of hit me. Uh Here we are discussing the Chargers with Ben Johnson. If he were to take that Chargers job because it's so valuable, what about the offensive coordinator with the Chargers right now? Kellen Moore's done a pretty good job with that offense. Now, they lose a lot of games, but mostly people are putting that on the ineptitude of one Brandon Staley. He's not going to last there. That's why we're giving Ben Johnson that opportunity because we don't expect Staley to be there. But remember Kellen Moore. David Tepper liked himself from Kellen Moore last year. In fact, I just pulled up a tweet from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network January 25th in this year, 2023, when they were still looking for every coach. Ian said this, quote, from NFL Now, the Panthers are speaking with former Colts coach Frank Reich, who has emerged as a really strong candidate in Carolina. Reich, Kellen Moore, and Steve Wilkes have all gotten a second look. So Steve Wilkes got a second look, and he was here. Makes sense. Frank Reich, eventually the guy they hired, got a second look. Makes sense. Hindsight with them hiring him. Maybe not as we fire him 11 games in. But Kellen Moore is the other name on that list. If you were interested in Kellen Moore then, and I think he's actually done a pretty good job with Justin Herbert this year. I think he's done a good job with that Chargers offense. That defense is what kills them. No, they didn't look great against Baltimore, but Baltimore, they might be the best defense in the league alongside the Browns, whatever. Argue with a couple of other teams you want. 49ers, for sure. No doubt. I didn't mean to be disrespectful. (laughs) No, I hear you. But if Kellen Moore was a part of the equation last year, Wes, what would make him not a part of the equation this year? It would be Kellen deciding to do the Ben Johnson thing. Hey, I think this Chargers team is going places. I want to be the play caller for Justin Herbert in this offense with a new head coach, possibly, if they'll retain me. Or I'm going to go toe-to-toe with Ben. I want this job. I want the head coaching job. And if Justin Herbert says, hey, I want Kellen to stay here, then he might be the guy. But if not... If they're going to look a different direction, maybe David Tepper tries to throw all the money in the world at Kellen Moore once again. He could be, but the only thing I say about that is that the optics of it, to me, it doesn't read well when you get a coordinate off of a losing team. And I know that the offense has been pretty solid, but for this fan base, especially coming off of the two head coaches that you just had, especially you just hired a fired football coach, I don't know that I would want to bring in a guy – from a losing football team. I want a guy that's going to come in with a sterling reputation that I can sell to my fan base. Give me the guy that's got the offense, that's doing well, and his team is in the playoffs. I want that guy. I don't know that I necessarily want a guy from a losing organization. No, and I and I hear you, and I hear what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Is that what David Tepper is thinking? I would think he would be. Even after the I interest mean, we last could year. Never, yeah, we could never know what he's thinking, but I just think that from a PR standpoint to sell this to a fan base that's already pretty upset. But and you did it with Frank Reich. After, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I feel like a lesson learned from that where he's like, hey, I'm going to go get a guy that okay. comes from a winning winning organization. That's what I would think. The other guy that was in the mix last year, we did mention this when he was fired. <laughs> you know, it kind of goes in the same neighborhood of the topic you were bringing up here, but it's Ken Dorsey. Now he got fired with, from Buffalo. Buffalo has had their fair share of problems this year. They had a remarkable game against Buffalo where eventually Philadelphia, or excuse me, against Philadelphia, where the Eagles were able to win. But 
the the defense is the problem there, especially allow, allowing them to score as many points as they did in the second half. I just wonder if there's any of this, hey, these guys were in the mix. I want to bring them back around. And could they land the job the second time? And last thing I'll say, man, and I'll present this to you guys, is that, you know, people saying, hey, you know, the, we had to call it as to get off of the, the Wilkes talk. But just picture a scenario that, and I'm not saying that because I'm a fan of the team. Let's just say San Francisco gets really far or wins the Super Bowl and this defense is dominant. I mean, how much more does that add to your resume if you bring Steve Wilkes back off a potential NFC Championship game appearance or a Super Bowl appearance and victory with the defense being one of the catalysts for said win? That would be huge. I think even if he doesn't get a job with Carolina, we've seen the last two 49ers defensive coordinators get head coaching jobs. I think that somebody would probably go after him, and Carolina – I would think you would at least have to go. You know, you know that phone call. Hey, man. Uh, yeah, I remember what happened before. You know what I'm saying? I, I know, I know. But uh, holla at me. I wonder what the what's the difference in situation for Steve Wilkes now. You you have a different quarterback. You have your guy that is supposed to be supposed to be the franchise guy at QB now. So that's different. The skill position is worse. You don't have a first round pick. The offensive line, largely the same, but you're battling some injuries up front. Mm-hmm. Icky, it, is it as simple as, oh, okay, I'll just implement the same system I had? No, I'm, fir- I'm a firm believer he'll build the team the right way. He is a guts and grit kind of guy. He's going to go out, get those linemen that's necessary. He's going to build it in the trenches first. The right way, meaning that he's going to move on from Icky and some of the other linemen? Is that what uh, you're saying? Well, I think Icky, and we'll talk about it at some point, probably needs to slide inside. But he's going to build the team through the trenches out. And I think that's what would be another great thing about Wilkes. You know what's yeah, not so funny? I think Fitterer tried to do that. He just failed. Yeah. <laughs> he, I mean, he couldn't have counted on the line regressing as much as they did based yeah. off how they ended last season. Yeah, we, we got plenty. By the way, I see everybody's text. It, it's, you know, there's a lot. Scott Fitterer, we're not forgetting about him. I just, I don't think that they're going to fire him midseason because that guy's job is done through the off season. So I don't know what good it does now. And everybody also texting in about, Hey, this is a David Tepper conversation. You're totally right. Yeah. And they keep talking about yeah. why would he come back? He just pulled a LeBron. Remember LeBron You're saying when he Steve went Wilkes. back to Cleveland? You're yeah, saying Steve why would Wilkes Steve Wilkes come a LeBron. Back. Remember when LeBron went back and he said, this is not for you, Dan Gilbert. This is for the fans and this is for the city. I think the lure of the head coaching job, the money that he would get, obviously, but the lure of coming back, doing it for the city and those players that he left, I think he'd say, the hell with Tepper. I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for them and this city, and I think that would be enough to get him back on board. All right, let's open up the phone lines again. We went with the Pulse of Panther Nation in the first hour. Let's do it again here in the second hour. You can call in 704-570-9610. What are your thoughts? You can share your comments. Call in at 704-570-9610. We will take your phone calls on the other side of the break. It's Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Wesson Walker back at it. We're taking your phone calls. If you want to call in, 
air your thoughts and comments. 704-570-9610. Feel free to do so. I'm trying to go to the Carolina Men's Clinic text line. Got a few texts I wanted to read. Yeah, Ronald Plum is asking about Melo. All right, what did he ask about? Uh, just, he's just saying, are they saying anything about Ball's injury? Uh, we haven't heard anything yet. So, yeah, we do not know. We know that he left the second quarter of last night's magic loss with a right ankle strain. Uh, ankle strain That was the same ankle that he fractured last week. Excuse me. Last year. Hopefully, LaMelo can come back as soon as he possibly can. I have not seen an official word from the Charlotte Hornets on what that injury all entails. Casey Steve wrote in on the text line, Wilkes getting paid and winning would be a middle finger to Tepper, honestly. Casey Steve also said, if they hire Dorsey as the head coach, I'll recreate the flip out he had in the booth, except in my living room. It's a good text. I think a lot of people would. I think a lot of people would, too. Wolfpack James says, guess who was calling that game for Buffalo against Philadelphia? It was Joe Brady, three crying face emojis. Yeah, Joe Brady doing a pretty good job in the first two games as OC. I I mean, he's just doing what Dorsey did. I mean, this offense was already good before he took over. Okay. (laughs) I mean, that was... (laughs) I mean, there was a few little nuances, but it's not like they went from nothing to something with Joe Brady. Well, I mean, they played pretty well yesterday against Philadelphia with a good defense, right? Like, I don't... He carried the baton. Okay, so then Ken Dorsey shouldn't have been fired, right? Is that what you're saying? I'm just saying there was a couple of small disagreements and stuff that he had with the head coach that made him get fired. But as far as Joe Brady coming in and reinventing the wheel, he's not I don't think anybody said that. I think he's doing a good job, right? I mean, is that that bad? I feel like you, okay, no, he's doing terrible. Salesman said, (laughs) if I was Steve Wilkes and Tepper called me about an interview, I'd tell him to buy me an airplane ticket. I'd hop on the plane, fly to Charlotte, walk into Tepper's office, and tell him to kiss my ass. That's what Steve Wilkes should do, according to the salesman. You just enjoy the fact that he's going to be begging and groveling to you to come back and be the head coach if that's the Mm -hmm. scenario that plays out. That's your satisfaction. That's your victory. All right. Instead of reading text from the Carolina Men's Clinic text line, let's now go to... from the people. The hotline, 704-570-9610. Sam called in. Sam, we appreciate you calling in, man. What's on your mind? Man, uh, I just want to reiterate everything you guys just said. I think that uh, the best thing Tepper could do would be get on his knees and grovel back to Steve Wilkes uh, and beg for him to come back to Charlotte. And I think uh, Wilkes would do exactly what what you said, Wes. I think he needs to build the O-line and the trenches from the inside out. I think we have been injury-riddled all year long. Um, I don't think our backup in Cade Mays, the rotation with Throckmorton, Zavala has been atrocious. Um, I think our problems are there. We have the quarterback. We just need a coach that's willing to uh, come in and, and do what's needed to make him better. But appreciate you guys. No doubt. We appreciate you, and I like that thought process again. Wilkes understands this is a guy that's a hardcore football coach. And, yes, he does like to throw the football. There's no question about that. But Wilkes understands to get this thing back on track, he's going to have to build it from the inside out. And a lot of fans, uh, they don't necessarily enjoy that. It's not a fun process to go through, but it's like a process that once you get through it and get over that hump, you're going to be good for a while because then you can afford not to have the greatest skill guys in the world if you're whooping people's keisters uh, up front. You don't have to necessarily have the greatest receivers out there and the greatest running backs of all time. If you can dominate guys on both sides of the football, you're going to always have a shot in games. It's always going to travel. doesn't matter the weather or whatever the case may be, and that's what I think Steve Wilkes would certainly do. Plus, there's a toughness and intensity and and an air of accountability 
mentality that Wilkes brought to this team that I think as well, that guys got out there and they knew, they understood, like, hey, you know, if there's slip-ups or things aren't being done the way that they need to be, that Wilkes is going to hold them accountable. Was he perfect? No, he certainly was not. But I think that he's a guy that, you know, could end up being a good candidate for this franchise. 602 wrote in on the text line. Our last caller sounded a little like Jake DeLome. I like that. Maybe think Jake it might have been Jake changing his voice a little bit. I like to think so. I like to think that Jake is listening and also calling in and giving some of his opinions on the matter. Let's go back to the phone lines. 704-570-9610. Ronnie calling in. Ronnie, we appreciate the phone call, man. Ronnie! How are you? What's up? How y'all doing? We good, we, man. How about we, you, partner? Not too bad. Not too bad. I, this whole head coaching thing, Tepper made a mistake last year. I think he realizes it with not hiring Steve Wilkes. But moving forward, I still think go out and try to get Wilkes. Throw the money at him. I mean, he had to respect the locker room last year. He turned a crappy my rule team around for one game going to the playoffs with a mediocre quarterback that's Sam O'Donnell. So, I mean, lesson learned, David Tepper. Go after Wilts. Don't interfere with anything. And let's see what happens in the next couple of years. Thanks I for the, think there's hope. Yeah, uh, good phone call, Ronnie. We appreciate that. Wilt I think sounds like the people's champ. He does. I think a lot of people want David Tepper to stop interfering. They want to go back to Steve Wilkes. Some some people on the text line, like you got a certain group saying no thank you to Steve Wilkes. They want us to stop talking about it. They're doing the Franklin thing. You know, weatherman Mark saying this is a joke. Stop talking about Steve. All right, fine. But we'll talk about him when callers dial in and say, hey, can we just go to the guy that we saw win with this team? Correct. Like we synced it. I want it back. <laughs> you got rid of it. And I don't know why you did so. Can you learn from that mistake and bring him back? There's some people want Steve Wilkes, man. I, I don't. Oh, I don't, there's been a ton yeah, of them. He, that, to again. me, is the people's champion today. Mm-hmm. He really is. Uh, let's go back to the phone line. We got a couple more callers to get to. Going to try to fit all of these guys in. Anthony now on the phone line. Anthony, we appreciate you calling in, man. How are you? Uh, pretty good, man. What's going on with you guys, man? I love you guys. West show, and <laughs> you guys got it going on. We appreciate well, listen, that, man. You're the man, Anthony. Yeah, we appreciate you. Yeah. Well, listen, man. I played for Duke back in the day, '83, '84. <laughs> you know, when I'm, you know, I'm just saying, ACC best conference in the country right now. But look, here's the problem with the Panthers, man. Yeah, they they got rid of the coach. That's a good thing. That's that's a start. But Feller need to go too, the general manager, because he made some bad decisions. And uh, if I was paying that kind of money, and which I did, I was a I bought some season seasonal tickets, and you know I, it, it hurts very bad. But I, I I'm pretty sure Tepper needs to get give Steve Wilkes a call, give him a call to get this team back on track. He was the best thing, you know. Wilkes beat five, five of those teams that they lost to. Wilkes beat them without a doubt. And and I'm gonna say this, and I'm gonna let it go. They they would have been five and five and five now maybe five and four if they would have kept Wilkes. All right, love you guys, man. Keep up the good work. Peace. We appreciate that, man. And let me say as a love me some Anthony strong now. component 
of the ACC, Anthony, we're not the best conference. I would love to be able to say that, but I got to tip my hat to the SEC and the in the Big Ten and and the Pac-12 this year. Man, they've been great. But uh, yeah, he's just echoing what a lot of people are saying, and I think that uh, there were many people upset. I think there were more people upset that he was let go than. Um, people that wanted him to be let go last season. And I think now he's out there. And yes, I saw a text on the line. Sorry, there have been so many that have been coming in. But I saw a texter texting saying, well, isn't Wilkes doing what Joe Brady is doing? Yeah, I, I would agree with him there as far as he's not reinventing the wheel in San Francisco. And in fact, he's made some mistakes. He's had to make some adjustments as far as how he's been calling that defense. And he's been called out by Richard Sherman and others. And Shanahan. As what he, yeah, as far as what he's been doing with this 49ers defense. But that's San Francisco's defense in how they had been doing things, and he changed it up a little bit. But I think in Carolina, what he does works. And so I think if he's able to have a great season with them, and we already saw, like you said, Walker, we synced him get dubs in Carolina, I think it's worth a shot. All right, we got a few callers hanging on. If you guys can hang on during the break. Hang on, baby. We'll come back. We'll take your phone calls on the other side. What do you think about today's news that David Tepper fired yet another coach in season? We'll take those phone calls on the other side. Also try to get to the live wire. It's Wes and Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.